Oil prices in the U.S. are skyrocketing, and half a million barrels of American oil flow into China daily. But some on Capitol Hill are looking to change that. Over 90% of the American companies operating in Shanghai are expecting less revenue than before. A recent poll highlights the impact of pandemic control. Teachers are protesting in one of China's most culturally rich provinces. Why? Reports say authorities are cutting their paychecks back down to what they were a decade ago. Hailstones fall in Beijing, but the ice clump's curious shape caught the attention of Chinese internet users. And a bill aims to overhaul Washington's policy toward Taiwan, covering sanctions, military aid, and diplomatic relations. We break down the highlights. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. China is one of the world's biggest oil consumers. And some of that fuel comes from the U.S., even though oil prices in the U.S. are skyrocketing. Now, some senators are pushing for change. U.S. Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott have introduced a bill to ban the export of oil and petroleum products from the U.S. to China. The legislator said in a statement that the bill would ensure the U.S. does not unwittingly aid and support its primary adversary. Senator Rubio called it unacceptable that the U.S. is allowing half a million barrels of American oil to go to China every day as gas prices soar at home. Rubio said we need to increase American oil production and give priority to domestic consumers, not send oil to a genocidal regime half a world away. While Scott said it's absurd to export oil to China, while Americans pay more than $5 per gallon of gas at home. As of 2021, China was the fourth largest export destination for U.S. oil, accounting for 7% of all U.S. exports. The U.S. exported nearly 820 million barrels of oil and petroleum products in the first quarter of 2022. Over 100 leading tech executives, including ones from Google, Amazon and Microsoft, sent a letter to House leaders on Capitol Hill. The letter asks Congress to push forward on a bill that would make the U.S. more competitive with China. The brief letter said that the China competition bill is critical to the U.S. economy, national security and supply chain resilience. The bill carries $52 billion of government funding for semiconductor manufacturing in the U.S. That's intended to help deal with the global chip shortage, which has set back manufacturers of high-tech goods, including next-generation phones and electric vehicles. The bill is currently stalled in Congress. A new survey shows most American companies in Shanghai have lowered their revenue expectations, and some have shrunk their investments in the city. The poll was released on Wednesday. It was conducted by the American Chamber of Commerce in Shanghai in early June, after a two-month lockdown shuttered the city of 26 million people. Over 90 percent of the companies surveyed have lowered their revenue goals, some as low as 80 percent of the original. That portion takes up a quarter of the survey pool and is largely made up of consumer goods and services companies. As for investments in China, the poll shows 25% of consumer and service companies and 20% of manufacturing companies have already cut back on their investment plans. The Chamber of Commerce director Eric Jung said the impact of Shanghai's lockdown on businesses has been profound. 
Though Shanghai lifted the bar on restrictions earlier this month and urged industries to resume production, the return has proven hard for many. Of the manufacturing companies surveyed, 35% say their operations have fully resumed. That number is less than 30% for the consumer goods and services companies surveyed. The report says only 9% of the companies received relief funds from Shanghai authorities. The situation has prompted many foreign companies to rethink their long-term plans in China. That's especially true for manufacturers. Over a quarter of companies surveyed say they're speeding up efforts to localize their supply chains and at the same time moving their global operations out of China. U.S. companies active in Shanghai include Starbucks, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, Tesla, General Motors, and Citibank, among others. Teachers in one northern Chinese city are protesting against a significant reduction in their salaries. They call it a miniature reflection of the country's pandemic restrictions on the economy. Let's zoom in. Teachers from the northern Chinese city of Yantai are protesting over a large-scale salary reduction. It's happening in the city's development zone. Authorities are said to have reduced teacher salaries to the level they were a decade ago. What's more, they've ordered teachers to return some of the money already paid to them, up to 150,000 yuan. That's the equivalent of over $22,000. According to social media, some of the teachers have revealed more details about the situation. They say it's based on a scale. The higher your rank, the more you used to earn and the more you are required to return. An open letter from teachers circulating online disclosed that the teachers were given no access to the official documents tied to the mandate. Rather, they're being told that the order can only be passed on verbally. The letter also noted that it's been two years since teachers were promised a salary bonus, a reward they say they never received. Beyond that, the letter stated that some new teachers didn't receive their paychecks for a couple of months after starting work. They say the situation left them no choice but to protest. The city of Beijing has been strengthening its COVID-19 restrictions in recent weeks. And on Friday, local health officials said the rules would not be relaxed anytime soon. That's after new cases of the infection were found, all stemming from a nightclub. And at the same time, hailstones are raining down on the city. A number of Chinese internet users are sharing their surprise about the weather online, especially over what they described as the stone's curious shape. These images came from a hailstorm that swept across the city last weekend. Some are likening the shape of the ice clumps to that of the Chinese Communist Party or CCP virus, which causes COVID-19. Still more users said the odd form looked familiar. Back in 2020, hailstones bearing the same peculiar shape fell in China at least three times. This picture shows some of them that fell in Beijing back in June 2020, half a year after the virus broke out in Wuhan. This one was taken in May of the same year in another northern Chinese city. And this one, captured in February in Hubei province. The city of Wuhan is located inside this province. Senate lawmakers are pushing for a bill to revamp Washington's Taiwan policy. The bill is bipartisan. Sponsors include Senator Bob Menendez, a Democrat, and Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican. Both senators say the bill would push the most comprehensive restructuring of U.S. policy toward Taiwan in over four decades. So what does the bill aim to do? 
It would require the president to slap sanctions on Chinese officials and the Communist Party head in the case that Beijing invades Taiwan. The bill would also provide Taiwan with $4.5 billion in military assistance over the next four years. And it would designate the island as a major non-NATO ally. This could give the island benefits in defense and security cooperation. In terms of diplomatic relations, the bill would push the State Department to rename Taiwan's de facto embassy in Washington. Right now, it's called the Taipei Economic and Cultural Representative Office. The bill aims to change the name to the Taiwan Representative Office. The measure would also elevate the role of Washington's top official in Taiwan. That's by requiring Senate confirmation for the post. In a statement, Senator Menendez says there should be no doubt about the depth and strength of U.S. determination to stand with the people of Taiwan and their democracy. Senator Graham says the danger will only grow worse if the U.S. shows weakness in the face of Chinese threats and aggression toward Taiwan. ...for repelling the long-expected communist invasion from the mainland. Taiwan and China split during a civil war, but Beijing still sees Taiwan as part of its territory. It also has been threatening to take Taiwan back by force. That's despite Taiwan never having been ruled by the communist regime. The U.S. does not have formal diplomatic relations with Taiwan, but Washington is required by law to provide Taiwan with a means to defend itself. A former White House advisor is sending out a warning. He says China's potential war against Taiwan could be more devastating than Russia's attack on Ukraine. David Okmanek told The Sun online that the Chinese regime could launch high-tech swarms of drones, plus up to one million soldiers, warships and bombers to invade the island. He said the scale of devastation would be unlike anything the world has seen since the Korean conflict in 1951. Akhmanek also pointed out that the U.S. and its allies would literally have days, not weeks, not months, to defeat the Chinese regime. A top Taiwanese politician says the island has missiles capable of targeting Beijing and China's famed Three Gorges Dam. Yu Si-kun is the president of Taiwan's parliament. He said Taiwan has supersonic cruise missiles capable of striking Beijing in case of Chinese invasion. Yu Si-kun said the missile's range was also enough to reach China's Three Gorges Dam, the world's largest power station. If the dam collapses, hundreds of millions of people downstream will be impacted. Shanghai would get drenched alongside with five other provinces. Deaths would likely be uncountable. On top of that, a Chinese military expert revealed that almost all of China's reserved army is located in that area. Yu Si-kun said Taiwan must not depend on other nations to save it. Instead, it must prepare to fight, down to the last bullet. Adding the world's democracies would be compelled to help Taiwan, and the Chinese communist regime would become the enemy of Australia, Japan and the U.S. Yu Si-kun also said Taiwan would use the strait to mount a massive defense and sink Beijing's warships before they reach the island. CCP leader Xi Jinping has vowed to take Taiwan by force if necessary. Now we zoom in on another request from our audience. This time, viewers wrote to us asking about the global movement to quit the Chinese Communist Party and its affiliated organizations. We spoke with a man that once took the oath to join the party but later decided to withdraw from it. 
He says it's all because of a surprise encounter. Here's more. The former operations director of a Chinese real estate company says he wants to leave the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. In China, many citizens, during at least one point in their lives, have joined the Chinese Communist Party or its affiliated organizations, like the Communist Youth League and the Young Pioneers. When joining, they make an oath not to the nation but to the Communist Party. Quitting the CCP refers to separation from the party by taking back these oaths made to the regime. The former director, Lai Xiaobing, took the oath to join the party in elementary school. The teacher asked the entire class to wear red scarves and take the oath to become part of the communist organization. So why did he decide to quit the communist party? Lai said the change came after a surprise encounter when he traveled overseas. There he saw some Falun Gong practitioners doing peaceful demonstrations at local tourist attractions. The encounter surprised Lai as he had negative impressions about Falun Gong practitioners. That's because the Chinese state has circulated negative propaganda against the practice for years. After Lai went back to China, he used a special software to bypass the regime's censorship firewall and looked into what actually happened to dissidents and spiritual practitioners in China. Lai found that Falun Gong is a spiritual practice rooted in traditional Chinese culture. It features five slow-moving meditative exercises and is guided by the principles of truth, compassion, and tolerance. He also learned about how Falun Gong is persecuted in China. After the practice grew to immense popularity in China in the 90s, the regime launched a nationwide persecution campaign against it. Millions have been detained and tortured. Over 4,000 have been killed, but that estimate is believed to be far higher. They have persecuted Falun Gong throughout the country so brutally. We have always been law-abiding citizens, following the government. But I didn't expect our government to be so cruel, and it has done so many cruel and inhuman things. This is absolutely unacceptable to me. After that, he became determined to withdraw from the Young Pioneers, a CCP-affiliated group. Now he's calling on other Chinese people to quit the Communist Party and its organization as soon as possible. Coming up, you may want to keep a closer eye on your morning joe from now on, or maybe just your coffee maker. An expert says Beijing may be using the devices to collect American data. Find out more in just a minute here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. A U.S. expert found that the Chinese Communist Party is collecting data on Americans in a brand new way, through their coffee machines. Let's take a look. A recent report suggests that the Chinese Communist Party is obtaining data via smart coffee machines made in China. Author Christopher Balding published his research through New Kite Data Labs. He warned that such tactics can be used to spy on U.S. consumers. According to his report, these machines collect data on a variety of subjects, including drink production, location, payment information, and other data. In commercial environments like hotels, they can even access route information and payment methods. Some of the coffee machines are made by the Calarm firm, based in China's Jiangsu province. The report noted the manufacturer provides no information on data storage or privacy. The company has been selling models widely throughout the United States and Europe. The report concluded, quote, 
While we cannot say this company is collecting data on non-Chinese users, all evidence indicates their machines can and do collect data on users outside of mainland China and store the data in China. Balding added that he won't disclose how he obtained the information. That's because he doesn't want the Chinese Communist Party or CCP to prevent him from learning more about their data collection efforts against Americans and others. Cybersecurity experts have long cautioned about similar threats posed by Chinese apps like TikTok. Black Ops Partners CEO Casey Fleming commented that the Communist Party of China is collecting vast amounts of data. It may not be used against you today, but this information might be used against you, your company, or your country in the future. China's lockdown measures have dealt a huge blow to the country's economy. Now, even state workers are feeling the effects. Let's take a look. Civil servants in China are facing a tide of salary reductions, even in the country's most wealthy areas. Rumors are circulating that civil servants in Shanghai will have their payroll cut by around 40 percent. Working as a civil servant is a dream job for many people in China because the posts are thought to bring job security. Last year's applicant numbers hit record highs, with a whopping 61 people competing for a single job opening. But amid the impacts of the pandemic, the job security normally tied to the positions is getting weaker. A web article circulating on Chinese social media this week claims that areas like Jiangsu, Zhejiang, and Shanghai have set up salary reduction offices. The article states that Shanghai officials will have their salaries cut anywhere from 35 to over 40 percent, depending on their rank. It adds the deduction rate is in line with local fiscal revenue. Private enterprises were the main source of local finance in the past decades. Under Xi Jinping's general trend of returning to Mao's state monopoly economy, the private sector shrinks and the source of local finance dries up. So those civil servants have to maintain their system's existence by cutting their salaries. Civil servants in the southern cities of China, Jiangsu province, are facing similar issues. Their year-end bonuses are reportedly slated to shrink by 30 or 40 percent. Jiangsu boasts the highest GDP per capita of all Chinese provinces. Elsewhere, some departments in the neighboring Zhejiang province are even asking workers to return their bonuses, issued in the first quarter. Looking back at salary reductions, one private business owner says the same thing happened last year in Shenzhen, China's southeastern manufacturing hub. He gave his friend who works for the local traffic bureau as an example. Now many of the welfare benefits, disguised as a kind of subsidy, are gone. All gone. In fact, it is a disguised pay cut. The issues even extend to China's capital, Beijing. The city, plus its neighbor, Tianjin, have also reportedly made plans to reduce pay for civil servants. Military commanders from Japan, the United States, and 16 other countries met near Tokyo on Thursday. It was the final day of the Pacific Amphibious Leaders Symposium. Washington hopes it will help forge cooperation between nations that can help it contain China. There is no nation that can do it all by themselves. Every one of us has a piece to offer to operations in the Pacific and beyond. And I am sure that Pulse 22 disseminates a powerful message that we do not allow any 
marginal changes to the status quo by force, and will maintain a rule-based order and aid the Around 70 participants visited a naval base and army camp. They observed drills and inspected military equipment, including hovercraft and Osprey aircraft carrying troops. U.S. forces in Japan also displayed a high-mobility rocket system. It is similar to the ones the Pentagon is supplying Ukraine. The participants included military commanders from Southeast Asia as well as Britain and France. Pacific Island nations, including Fiji and the Maldives, also sent representatives. The four-day event started on Monday. It comes as Tokyo looks to take on a bigger regional security role to counter China, North Korea, and Russia. A landmark floating restaurant is in trouble in Hong Kong. It has fed Cantonese cuisine to Queen Elizabeth II, Tom Cruise, and millions of other diners, but was towed from the city's harborfront on Tuesday because of lack of funds. This comes after months of harsh restrictions under China's zero COVID-19 policy. NDD's Chenny Wu has the story. Hong Kong residents said their goodbyes to the iconic jumbo seafood restaurant on Tuesday as it was towed away from its home of 46 years. Many disappointed to see it go. I used to go there for lunch when I was still young, and it was a very special place to eat at the time. My parents brought me here to eat as a child, thus it's a really profound memory. I find it unfortunate that Hong Kong's most precious assets are gradually vanishing. The massive floating restaurant is designed like a Chinese imperial palace and was known for its Cantonese cuisine and seafood dishes. It served over 30 million guests since its establishment in 1976, but Jumbo Floating Restaurant was forced to close in 2020 due to China's pandemic lockdowns and all staff were laid off. It then became a financial burden to shareholders, as millions were spent annually on inspection and maintenance, even though the restaurant was not in operation. Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam had previously rejected suggestions to bail out the restaurant, despite calls from lawmakers to preserve the iconic landmark. If the restaurant leaves, there is definitely a sense of loss, not just for people who live around this area, but for the whole of Hong Kong, where else in the world are there such floating restaurants? I don't think there are any left. It's unclear where Jumbo will dock next. According to local broadcaster RTHK, its parent company has secured a suitable parking location outside Hong Kong, but has declined to disclose where it would be sent. Reporting by Chenny Wu, NTD News. Also on Tuesday, outgoing Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam said that there have been calls for the government to relax its pandemic prevention measures, but that the government would, quote, not give an inch. This comes despite the fact that Hong Kong's new virus cases only have mild symptoms. It's also believed that Chinese leader Xi Jinping will visit Hong Kong on July 1st to attend the 25th anniversary of Hong Kong's handover to China. That's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. Every once in a while, something comes along so masterful, it leaves you in awe. So inspiring, 
it changes your life. So beautiful, you wish it would never end. When that happens, it's something not to be missed. Shen Yun, an all-new production every year. The performance was enchanting. I feel better about the world. I feel uplifted. It touches you. It really does. The expertise of the dancers was really, really strong. To know that it was live music was really fantastic. We didn't want to miss this. Make sure you see it. Have to come. Life-changing.